This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Oh, I could just listen to that whole song all day long. Great stuff. Thank you, John. It's Sterling Fox in for Jill Bennett on this cloudy Saturday morning, 13 degrees downtown. It's 733, and it's time to talk to James Tanzi. Professor Tamsey is the executive director at the Sauter Center for Social Innovations and Impact Investing and the author of a new report, a recent report at least, looking at housing and Vancouver and affordability and the reasons behind the the housing crunch we find ourselves in and has determined that, among other things, it's about, well, the old law of supply and demand. Professor Tamsey, James, good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you with us, sir. Uh, tell us a little bit about the frustrations that caused you to sit down and examine the uh, the housing realities facing us in Vancouver. Well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, the, the the housing issue has always been put, not really been put in the context of what other cities face around the world as they try and grow and diversify their economy and become more innovation-focused and uh, you know, address pressures on density and growth. And in, in many ways... Um, the, the, the factors that are driving uh, housing prices in this region, uh, uh, a significant driver of that is our economic success in the region, low interest rates, and the fact that there's a large population of people that want to move here. And that, that's certainly the key finding from a big CMHC study in, in February that, that ultimately actually didn't get an awful lot of coverage, uh, but was pretty much uh, the strongest study that's been done. There's definitely an impact from foreign buyers, particularly in, in high end, higher-end property. Sure. But what I got a little tired of hearing was that was the only uh, driving factor. And, um, and, and as he's, yeah, sorry. No, I'm just going to add, as I understood those findings from the CMHC, James, it was the fact that uh, in terms of the price, the stratospheric prices that we live with in Metro Vancouver these days are caused mostly by Vancouver people selling houses to other Vancouver people. Well over 90% of housing sales in this marketplace take place between British Columbians. Yeah, and that's and that's part of the debate that's missing as well. I mean, if you look at the, all of the value of real estate in in Metro Vancouver, it's worth about nine hundred billion dollars now, wow. know, which is an incredible number. It sure is. Somewhere around three hundred and sixty billion dollars of that is owned free and clear of mortgage. Um, and if you add in where people have small remaining mortgages, the number's much higher. So you've got a huge amount of equity tied up in homes. Uh, people who are, you know, in some ways, home rich and cash poor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are freeing up that equity to purchase rental properties. Um, when when people throw out numbers of 20% of new condo sales going to foreign buyers, that actually means that 80% aren't going to foreign buyers. Right. So, so that, you know, there'll be an endless debate about what the underlying causes of this these housing price rises are. And some of the taxes will, will help take the edge off that growth in prices, although the provincial... Budget data really just shows that it's going to level off house prices, not not reduce them. Uh, so I, I'm not suggesting we get rid of those taxes. A number of commentators have said that's what I'm proposing. What I'm actually proposing is what's the downside of just increasing supply or continuing to maintain supply at high levels? Right. Reducing the amount of time it takes to get properties permitted, reducing some of the costs attached to that, which the, the cities uh, have got very used to charging and, and using for other projects. What's the downside of, of making supply conditions better when, you know, even leaving these other taxes in place? And, and the finding of this report is it's, it's pretty difficult to find any reason why we wouldn't want to be doing that and making our 
housing supply system more efficient and more effective and more responsive. Well, absolutely. And given the fact that Vancouver, and I don't know what the influx numbers are this week, but uh, we know that in Metro Vancouver, the immigration in migration numbers are constant and growing exponentially. So there's never a problem with demand in Metro Vancouver. It's all about supply. And, And one of the major problems with supply that you've uncovered in some detail in this report is the is red tape bureaucrats you've alluded to it already and some of the costs associated with creating supply yeah it's i mean the the time is one of the biggest factors when it takes two years to get a development approved because of negotiations because of the obligations attached to community immunity um agreements because of you know site permitting and because of negotiation over land uplift that's money that's sitting dormant with developers. Uh, you know, they're typically for large developments expecting it takes eight years from start to finish. Mm. The construction time of some of the, the mid-rise developments might only be two years. So, you know, compared to other regions uh, com- uh, in, in the world and in Canada, CMHU report also showed that, that we're the slowest to react and the slowest to permit. So it isn't necessarily just about removing regulations. It, it could just be as simple as, having fixed wait times for, uh, for permitting and um, uh, performance standards that the province imposes. It could also be about the province returning some of the money that comes from property transfer taxes and other taxes in the region to, uh, to, be more, um, to help the municipalities be more, more effective. And the last thing is, you know, we have 21 municipalities in this region, and it's very hard for them to come up on their own with a regional strategy for housing when we're going to see 50% growth in this region in the next 20 years. Sure. So I think the province needs to be more active in designing, shaping that regional strategy. Uh, and we've heard very little, you know, very little sign of them taking on that a much more active role in the municipalities. And I think they should be. And one of the other things, Professor Tansy, that you, you refer to in your report is perhaps the reinstating of the business investor program. Uh, talk to us a little bit about why you would like to see it. Remind us of what it was and then why you would like to see it returned, how it would yeah. benefit the current market. I, I, th- this is a really controversial one, and um, and I think it's one that we need to look at uh, very carefully. But the Business Investor Program was set up in the 80s when Canada was in a recession and, and looking to attract foreign capital, and it allowed people to gain citizenship, qualified people to gain citizenship by uh, depositing ultimately about $800,000 with the government of Canada. Right. The government would hold that for eight years and then return it to them and invest it in the meantime. Um, and that there are you know, a large number of immigrant investors, seven, somewhere around 7,000 a year when the program was ended. Uh, and it you know, brought somewhere around $45 billion into the country uh, in the first you know, roughly 10 years of the program. It was cancelled by the Harper government, I think, as much for, uh, as much for political and symbolic reasons as, as for effectiveness reasons. And, and I think we should look at a version of that program that says, look, if there's if there's 2,000 people a year who want to pay a million dollars each to move to Vancouver, um, and that's very common to have that kind of citizenship program across other countries, that creates a $2 billion fund that if we want a, a way of investing into, into housing, that's a very small proportion of the population, 2,000 people a year. Um, but that could raise $2 billion a year that could be used to support social housing and to support affordable housing. And if you do that alongside supply, um, changing supply conditions, I think it, you know, I think it merits looking at. 
what I know is of all the commentary I've had on this report, that's the one that causes the most uh, controversy and um, and flare-ups on Twitter. I have I have no doubt about that part at all. Final question to you this morning, James Tanzi, and we appreciate your getting up early to do this with us today. Uh, the the matter of, of of condos and the landlords of of the the short term future appear to be people who are speculators. People buy condos in order to create rental housing, and they think income. Whereas uh, a lot of a lot of in a lot of cases, they actually end up subsidizing renters and taking a capital net loss. How, how much longer uh, can the marketplace uh, last being subsidized by speculators who will eventually, as a group, figure out this is, this is a dead-end street. It's not making us anywhere near the money we imagined it would. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think that uh, stat needs some more research uh, by CMHC and by others, because I think uh, ultimately, if, if you're if you're retired, you've got some capital in the bank or some capital in your property, you want you know single-digit yields and returns from that to, to be able to just you know live off the capital. So I think there's a pretty big tolerance for the kinds of um, levels of income you can get by investing in rental properties, and we do across the region we're about 36% renters. Yes. In the city of Vancouver, we're over 50%. That's pretty common in, in you know, major fast-growing cities around the world. It's common in Paris has even higher levels. So, you know, that, that's, that's a way to support uh, the growth of the rental uh, stock, w- which is kind of the entry level for lots of uh, new, um, new residents and, uh, and people who can't necessarily afford to take on a mortgage. But if we're not matching that with enough supply, then, of course, we're always going to continue to see growing. Uh, house prices. James, where can we find this report online? It's it's well worth looking into. It. It's provocative and all the rest of it, but it, it's good homework. Where do we find it? Yeah, if it's um, there's a, a link to it on the, the straight Georgia Straight article. There's okay. a link to it at the at the Sorta S3I website um, online, and there's uh, a link to it at the the www.impactinvestingforum.com. I can also email you a copy for your website. All right, thank you very much, James. We appreciate so this. Much. Good, good to speak to you this morning. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.